With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart, the most listened to internet radio show in the nonprofit sector, dedicated to helping your charity succeed. It's no secret that combining online and offline techniques is the key to modern day fundraising success, and practical advice is what you need. The Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart is the perfect landing point to learn from experts around the world who provide advice you can use. Ted Hart is without a doubt one of the foremost nonprofit thought leaders. Also a successful author, his books range from successful online fundraising to the use of social media and how to make your nonprofit green. Guests on the Nonprofit Coach are leaders in their field who share tips and trade secrets for nonprofit management and fundraising success. Ted lectures around the world, but now he's here for you. From the latest in charity news, technology, fundraising, and social networking, Ted and his guests help you and your organization move to greater levels of efficiency and fundraising success. This is a live call-in show. Add your voice by calling 347-324-3080. After the show, you can find all our podcasts at tedhart.com. Click on Radio. Don't forget to dial 347-324-3080. Now, welcome the host of The Nonprofit Coach, Ted Hart. And welcome here to the latest edition of The Nonprofit Coach. Thank you for joining us here today. This is our final show before we go on summer hiatus. So I hope everyone is off to a great start in the Northern Hemisphere uh, with uh, summer. Uh, and those of you in the, su- in the Southern Hemisphere, uh, I'm, uh, I'm hoping that you have decent weather uh, as you are, are uh, entering uh, into winter. So uh, anyway, today we have a really big show, very important topic, social enterprise. As the announcer mentioned, this is a live call-in show, so if you would like, uh, you can dial 347-324-3080. Uh, and uh, we will bring you right into the show to ask questions. You also can join us over in the chat room, and I do see some folks over in the chat room. You can ask questions there, or you can email me if you're super shy and still want to get a question in today at tedhart at tedhart.com. As always here on The Nonprofit Coach, we start the show with page one news. Uh, first up here on uh, page one news, as always, you can join along at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. You will not only find the radio links for today's show, but all the very best links and information for nonprofit organizations. Going back through the history of this show, we are now in our fourth year here on the Nonprofit Coach. And first up uh, comes to us uh, from a terrific site that we just discovered called someall.com, and what they're providing for you today is what the new Facebook page design means for your organization. Uh, In case you haven't heard, Facebook is slowly rolling out a new Facebook uh, design uh, for Facebook pages. Just like most layout changes, this means that you might need to update a few things to make sure that your page is still putting its best foot forward once the new design comes out. Um, Here are some of the things that uh, you'll need to know about the changes, the like follow and message buttons have now migrated into the cover photo area. So if you're looking for those, those are in a different area. Um, You may want to change your cover photo because of this. The top portion uh, of of, of that area is now a little bit less uh, and could cover up some of your photos. Uh, The About box has migrated into the left sidebar of the page. Um, So you may want to know where that is. And the Apps and Custom tabs are further down the page. And as you read through this, uh, you'll find that notes are making a resurgence. So uh, how will you use um, that uh, aspect of uh, Facebook that is coming back? 
Uh, if you liked the um, uh, liked Facebook and you liked notes that was uh, posted in 2011, um, then uh, you'll be able to display that on the left side bar of your page. Um, at the end, you'll find pages um, for your page likes uh, down at the bottom. So all of this is outlined for you over in the radio links. Uh, next up is, as you know, here on The Nonprofit Coach, we talk often about the six pillars of success for online organizations. Uh, one of those uh, pillars is Google, uh, your call, YouTube, uh, and uh, services owned by Google. They do have a service, Google for Nonprofits. And today we're providing you with nonprofit tips for getting up and running using Google. So find that over in the radio links. Uh, next up comes to us from the Nonprofit Times. The Nonprofit Times has created a management tips page uh, where they draw attention to their latest um, articles on the topic of nonprofit management. Uh, the most recent is the Persona Survey Questions. Uh, that was just uh, posted uh, today. Um, and also it's all about donor service that was posted uh, today and the team funders need to see uh, which was posted today as well. That link is constantly updated, so that will uh, be uh, evergreen. But today you'll find it over in the radio links, the Nonprofit Times Management Tips. We are in uh, summer here, uh, getting ready for our summer hiatus. Just uh, a program uh, note, uh, we will be on summer hiatus uh, now coming back on September 16th with Clint O'Brien uh, who will be with us here on the show. So the next several weeks is a great time to catch up on all the podcasts of The Nonprofit Coach, which are all available at tedhart.com. Hundreds of podcasts that are available on every topic from online fundraising to uh, social media and grant writing, uh, every topic of nonprofit management. And of course today, we'll be talking with our page two experts about social enterprise. Uh, so coming to us uh, from uh, some, uh, uh, some really great tips um, available uh, over at uh, Tallahassee Democrat, um, and this was uh, written uh, by Alice Lee Stansbury. Uh, what she's pointing out is that summer is a good time for planning for nonprofits. It's a great time to strengthen your organization for the rest of the year. She's giving some tips on some things that you may want to try to accomplish uh, over the summer so that you come out uh, in the fall a much stronger organization and looking at the all-important uh, holiday fundraising period as a period not to be feared but one to be successful. Last up here on uh, the Nonprofit Coach uh, in Page One News uh, is, um, comes to us from Twitter. Uh, and these are success stories for nonprofits. We're often asked, of course, Twitter is in the six pillars of success for nonprofit organizations who want to be successful online. Now you can go to this link and you can go directly to the nonprofit organization and read about how they are using Twitter to be more successful online. And uh, these are organizations uh, ranging from Clean Air in London uh, to Feeding America, of course the American Red Cross, how are they using Twitter, uh, but also public broadcasting and uh, the Queen Elizabeth Diamond Jubilee Trust. Uh, so you can read all about these organizations and how they are using Twitter to be more successful online. Uh, with that, we wrap up uh, page one news, uh, and uh, we will be uh, coming back from the break uh, to have Linda Lysakowski give us an introduction to our experts today. It is always a pleasure to welcome Linda Lysakowski back here to the Nonprofit Coach. She brings to us from time to time uh, experts from Charity Channel Press. And today, Linda, uh, you are introducing the authors of this terrific new book, which is the focus of our discussion today. I believe it comes from your In the Trenches series. And today, we're going to be talking about the Nonprofit Guide to Social Enterprise. Welcome back, Linda Lysakowski. Thanks, Ted. Hey, it's always great to be back with you, Ted. And, and I'm, I'm really excited today to introduce our two guests because at Charity Channel Press, when Jean and Nikki came to us for this proposal, we were really, really excited about this because 
I think social enterprise is one of the hottest topics around today. You know, folks who have been in fundraising as long as you and I have, Ted, and as long as uh, Nikki and Jean have been around, have seen a lot of changes in fundraising, and, and many of the traditional sources of funding have just dwindled away for some of our great nonprofits. You know, some groups are so dependent on a federal grant, and then all of a sudden the winds change, and that grant is just totally dried up, and they're really at a loss for how they're going to raise money, and sometimes they're dependent on special events, which can be very time-consuming, very labor-intensive, and sometimes not very profitable. And today's fundraisers and nonprofits really need to understand that they have to get much more creative in their solutions. So we were really excited about this book, The Nonprofit Guide to Social Enterprise, because it's something that's so important. And what I really love about this manual is that it's it's a step-by-step process to launching a successful nonprofit social enterprise in order to build capacity and be more creative about how you're going to deal with these dwindling funding sources that people have. So this manual is part of our, as you said, in, in the Trenches series, and it's got terrific examples and worksheets and guidelines and a whole business plan template that takes you through the entire journey to build a successful social enterprise for your organization. So I really am happy to introduce Jean and Nikki to you, and some of you may be familiar with either one or both of them. Jean has has been an author with Charity Channel Press several times. She also is the author of The Invisible Yellow Line, Clarifying Board and Staff Roles, as well as several other books and articles and many nonprofit resources. Jean is a nationally known consultant, trainer, and author on nonprofit management, fundraising, board development, and social enterprise. But she's also been in the trenches herself. She's been an executive director and a board chair for local, regional, and non- national nonprofits. And once she learned about social enterprise back in 2003, she got really, really excited about it. And she's uh, really been very active in this field, has taught a six- to nine-month program on social enterprise through the National Center for Social Entrepreneurs. So in addition to her long-standing company in 2006, she formed Social Enterprises Ventures, LLC. And I think Jean is really going to be a terrific addition to your show, along with her co-author on this, Nikki McQuistian. And Nikki is also a nationally recognized speaker, consultant, and coach, and a nonprofit CEO. And she's actually the chair of the Social Enterprise Alliance of North Texas and serves on the National Advisory Board for Social Enterprise Alliance. She's the co-author of this book, of course, The Nonprofit Guide to Social Enterprise, but has also been published previously, and maybe she'll tell you a little bit about some of those things. But she's worked with hundreds of nonprofit leaders and their boards, aligning their purpose with performance and leadership, governance, strategy, and fundraising. And so she combines her 30 years of nonprofit and business experience and degrees in the nonprofit field to help her clients achieve sustainable results. So I think you're going to be really delighted to hear from Nikki and Jean because they have a lot to tell you about the field of social enterprise. Linda, thank you so much uh, for bringing these terrific authors. I'm bringing them on to the switchboard right now. Jean and Nikki, welcome here to the Nonprofit Couch. Well, thank you, Ted. How are you? It is great to have you both here. And again, Linda, thank you for the uh, introduction, and and, uh, thank you to everyone at Charity Channel Press for so consistently bringing us uh, terrific topics. And uh, so we're here live with uh, Jean Block and Nikki McQuiston, uh, who are the authors of this uh, terrific new book, uh, The Nonprofit Guide to Social Enterprise. Uh, The subtitle is Show Me the Unrestricted Money. So, uh, of course, we're all excited to learn uh, about that. Um, Ladies, if we could start now, and I'll let you decide uh, who wants to get started here. I think um, when you say social enterprise, it's a topic, first of all, as uh, Linda said, uh, that everybody is interested in, everybody gets excited about. But I also think uh, most, uh, most everyone would have a hard time providing a description of social enterprise themselves. Uh, what, how would you describe it? 
Jean, you want to take a shot first? Let me. Um, Good morning, everybody, or afternoon, wherever it is that you are. Um, Thanks for joining us. You know, I've been talking about teaching, um, consulting on social enterprise for now more than 12 years, and I am still amazed at how confusing this topic is in the nonprofit sector and elsewhere. What we're talking about here is ways that a nonprofit, a traditional nonprofit, can generate unrestricted renewable revenue. And those are the those are the words that ought to get everybody's attention, unrestricted and renewable. It's not about writing another grant. It's not about doing a special event. It's not about sending out another letter. It's about leveraging an organization's assets, what you do, what you have, what you know, and leverage those into a, a, a form, a source of sustainable, uh, renewable revenue. What is the difference between social enterprise and fee-for-service um, revenue? Well, uh, this is Nikki, and oh, a pleasure being with all of you because we believe that this is a very important topic, That, and I'd like to come back to something that was said. One of the reasons that Jean and I wrote this book is because there is still such a mystery and misunderstanding about what all of this means. You know, one of the, the key premises of social enterprise is that these are businesses whose primary purpose is the common good. And what we're using are the methods and disciplines of business and the power of the marketplace so that we can advance whatever mission we might have as a nonprofit, whether it be social or environmental or a human justice agenda and mission. So there is considerable difference. However, social enterprise is also earned revenue for what might be a product or service that that particular nonprofit might offer. It's structured in a legal and different manner completely. So and to answer your, well, to answer your yeah. question, Ted, it, it, is, it is fees for service. Mm-hmm. It is. It, it is. Uh, it, it's to become a socially entrepreneurial, there's a mouthful, um, nonprofit means that you just have to change everything about your thinking. You, you as a staff person, you as a board member, you as a volunteer have to shift your thinking from the traditional charity think. We're a charity. We can't earn money. We should just beg. We should give away. We should, we should, all of that traditional thinking just has to be put aside. In, in, and that's why, in, if I can just jump in, that's why I asked this question, and, yeah. and I think, and I really mm-hmm. appreciate you sort of jumping to the heart of it, but, you know, there, there was a little bit of reticence, I think, in, in giving the definition, but I think that that goes to the heart of why this is such a, a, a difficult topic for people to get their arms around, because, um, and, and, and chime in on this, uh, my view is, is that a lot of reason why social enterprise is a topic that a lot of nonprofits have a hard time, you know, instituting or really thinking about is because they make the mistake in assuming that because they are not for profit, they take that as the same as meaning no profit. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as you start talking about social enterprise and earning your way and taking, you know, the services that you have and, you know, selling books, selling webinars, you know, selling fee-for-service, earning income in addition to having donations, people start getting a little bit squeamish on that because they think, well, doesn't that make me a for-profit? And what I try to get people to understand is that the only difference between well, there's lots of differences, but the difference, a big difference between for-profits and non-profits is both should have profits. It's where the profits go. So a for-profit goes to the shareholders. A non-profit does not have shareholders. Those profits go back into the organization for community service, for the community good. So if there's no profit, a non-profit will quickly find that it has a hard time paying its bills. And that's where social <laughs> enterprise creates a solution. So did I get any of that wrong? 
No, no, you were absolutely right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But it's it's a hard shift in thinking Mm -hmm. for most Mm -hmm. nonprofits because for years um, the sector has been um, taught, if you will, or rewarded, maybe worse, by grantors and funders um, for not being profitable, for for rewarded for um, having um, a low overhead, rewarded for all the wrong things instead of being rewarded and encouraged, uh, I think, to say um, if our mission is critical, if our mission is vital, if our mission is important, then we must operate in a manner that sustains ourselves so that we can be here as long as we need to be. And that Absolutely. requires That's a pretty major... Point. And That's one why of your book, I think, is so important. Mm-hmm. I, I, I view your book, and, and, and take it from here, ladies, but I view your book as a book that gives nonprofits permission to succeed. Yeah. Oh, nice. You know, one of the terms, or one of the words that was used a little bit earlier was the, the squeamish thing. And I think what we're trying to do here and what the whole social enterprise field is attempting to build on and help people be more aware of is that if we are in today's very competitive marketplace, there are more social concerns and issues on the table, more competition because there are more nonprofits, and yet fewer funds to go around in a sense. And so what needs to happen here is developing a business think so coming from the head as well as the heart. And we, you know, when we mention social enterprise, it's amazing how many people still don't know that it's about addressing the social need with you know, a common good as its primary purpose, but it is about commercial activity that's driving revenue that allows you to be more independent and more confident and a lot more sustainable. And that's really important, I think, in today's marketplace. Okay, so let's jump right in and let's give nonprofits permission to succeed. <laughs> you call Yay. you call it you call it a paradigm shift, um, the the business of doing good. So let's let's define this. Let's give some examples to this um, because I think a lot of the folks today have read about this. Maybe some of their board members have read mm-hmm. about this, and I and I I dare say many have discarded it because they don't understand it or they feel it can't possibly be for them. How does this work for nonprofits? Mm. Some easy examples, and, and you know, Jean, chime in here because we both have so many. But here's one that I see on a fairly uh, regular basis because they're also on the board of the Social Enterprise Alliance of North Texas, and that is um, an organization that specializes in organic education as it relates to trees and landscaping. And so their job is to make sure that the trees in North Texas stay healthy and vibrant. Well, they have interns, they have volunteers, and what they've also discovered is that people are hungry for more education on how they personally can use these services, and so they train and they educate people, and that's become part of their social enterprise. You know, um, having having worked with now directly um, myself, having having led nearly a hundred nonprofits from, oh my goodness, uh, our funding sources are drying up. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Oh my goodness, the world is. Uh, oh my, uh, that that yikes factor. What I have discovered with working with so many nonprofits who want to do social enterprise. They may be confused by by it, but they but they know they must operate in a different way. They must change their traditional thinking. But they don't know how. They, it, the, the whole idea, I mean, we've been doing um, <laughs> webinars and workshops called the anatomy of a business plan. It's not rocket science. It's not brain surgery. Writing a business plan, which is the most critical piece of, of starting a social enterprise, um, writing a business plan is easy. 
it's the work. It's the step-by-step process. It's the time. It's the investment into learning about the organization itself, about an idea that you might leverage to earn revenue, and then doing thorough feasibility, market research, costing analyses, all this business kind of thing that traditionally nonprofit leaders don't know or aren't good at. It's it's like, oh my gosh, that's a foreign language. I don't even know how to speak it, so I could never do that, could I? So, one so of the is that why that, social enterprise gets uh, discarded maybe too quickly or doesn't even make yes. it seriously on yes. the agenda uh-huh. because of lack of expertise? Yes, I think L- definitely Lack of expertise, so. and I think that that lack of confidence or, or mm-hmm. maybe a mindset and I think, you know, we keep repeating this because it's so very important, is that a 501c3, that's a, a tax-exempt designation. We still have to bring in the revenue in order to fund the mission. And, you know, there are processes that one needs to go through, but I think the, the critical step in all of this is getting past the, that's not what we do. That's not mm-hmm. for us. We're not mm-hmm. a well, business Part of, and, part of my yeah. job is to ask questions that everybody else is thinking. And so, <laughs> so, let me, so, so let me ask, do I put my nonprofit status in jeopardy if I make money? No. It depends. <laughs> That's easy. It depends. No. You need okay. a good tax consultant because if you're operating within the mission of the social enterprise, that's fine. But there are laws and restrictions, and no, you're not putting your nonprofit in jeopardy if you follow the rules. Right. So can my social enterprise exist within my nonprofit, or do I need to create a separate corporation to handle the social enterprise? You can do either. Mm -hmm. Um, Here's currently what the IRS uh, tells us. You can operate, a nonprofit can operate a, a, a social enterprise, can earn revenue within its C, 501C status uh, until or unless the revenue generated becomes a significant portion of annual revenue or requires a significant, and that's the word that's being used, Mm -hmm. a significant portion of your resources to generate it. And so for most nonprofits who get into this, at least in the initial phases, uh, that significant portion um, is never reached. Or And long before it is reached, if it is, and wouldn't that be a great problem to have, long before that revenue becomes such a significant portion of a nonprofit, that, that social enterprise revenue becomes such a significant portion of the nonprofit's revenue, what some choose to do is to spin that venture off into a separate LLC, into a mm-hmm. separate L3C, into a separate entity called a captive corporation, the purpose of which is to use its profits to sustain the mission of the nonprofit. So it, it's just not a worry. It, it's not that thing that I still hear all the time is, oh, well, we could never do this because then we'll lose our status. No, you won't. There are ways to protect that if that's important. And a different way of thinking and making sure that you have the right professionals behind you so that you can call on them for the right advice. This is not something, it's complex. Yes. But it is a process. It is a process. It does not happen overnight. And that is why, that is another reason that we felt um, writing this not a book. It's a hands-on. It ought to be tattered and torn and and highlighted and well used by everyone who purchases it. It's a step-by-step practical guide. It says start here and don't go to the next step until you're Mm -hmm. confident and comfortable that you've done everything you need to do in this first step. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, And because to do, to shortcut the process um, will put your organization's valuable assets at risk. And, and there's not enough to go around. Nonprofits' missions are far too precious, far too important, 
far too needed to, to put them at risk, to put their people at risk, to put their mission at risk. And so we, we want to make sure that nonprofits have a guide that says, ah, step by step, when we get the, then we go to the, ah, now we go, okay, and then we go to the next. Um, so, that, so that there is a path, a clearly defined path from, yikes, we've got to do something different, to now we have a clear path, we have a, a resource, we have a, a, a well-researched business plan that says, in the next six months, we're going to generate this much in unrestricted revenue. Here's how we're going to do it. Here's the staff it will take. Here's the legal issues. Here's all of that worked out before. Mm-hmm. So it requires a great deal of thinking, and I, and I think that is and work. part of And work, absolutely. It really is a rolling up your sleeves and getting everyone involved. Mm-hmm. This is not a process that can be done just by the CEO or just by staff. It truly no. is something that needs to be supported by the entire organization because if everyone and the board, mm-hmm. if it's not, there are going to be problems. So, even right. so how, do you, how do you bring this uh, to your board of directors? Let's, let's sort of start at the beginning. Um, who generates the idea and, and what's the nature? Is it just uh, we need more money and we need sustainable money? Is that enough to get uh, the topic on the table? You know, that's Sometimes. a question that needs to be asked and a good one. But our wish would be that we're not, it, it's not a knee-jerk reaction. We need more money. We need to be sustainable. It's really taking a look at what is the organization's mission. We have more issues and more concerns. We need additional revenue to fund what we're doing. So, um, you know, it, it has to start with some clearly defined goals as to why are we even thinking about adding something or doing something a tad different. So there has to be a champion for the cause and a lot of brainstorming and thinking, what do we have to offer? What might be an outcome of what we do? How do we capitalize on this? How do we staff it appropriately so that we can, you know, be independent and sustainable? I see. Uh, um, I also see this, the, the getting it on the table part, coming very often in my experience as a result of strategic planning. Mm-hmm. Um, a board and staff leadership together saying, where do we want to be in five years, in ten years? What do we need to have in place so that we can get from here to there? And, um, and so as a part of an internal organizational literal strategic plan, um, very often the whole concept of sustainable sustainability, sustainable revenue comes up, comes up as a topic. And then it's then uh, the organization's leadership, both volunteer and staff leadership, uh, are coming at this need to think about themselves differently, um, either to grow or to, to add new programs, new services, new staff, or to, to find a more um, secure future for themselves in today's kind of tenuous funding environment. So for me, it has come out of very often come out of a strategic planning session or brainstorming session. And I, and I think part of that, from my experience, is that people are either uncomfortable with mm. where they are, Yep. And so they're looking for something to transform that discomfort so that they can be more visionary and more flexible yep. with where they want to be and how they're going to get there. So, you know, in your strategic plan, you know, we're looking at our strengths and our weaknesses and our opportunities as well as the threats we encounter. So we already have strengths on the table. Which of these can be leveraged? What are the opportunities that would allow us to determine which have the most potential to help us reach that vision. And then it's really, and, and you know, the, the work really comes in with, okay, so how do we take a look at this from a, a feasibility um, assessment process so that we can really analyze what these potential opportunities can be? And then, of course, developing that business plan. Again, a rolling up your sleeves and lots of work, but also a lot of fun because what you find out about 
yourself and the organization and your volunteers and, and who wants to be on board and not. And by the way, and not. Mm-hmm. Because we're <laughs> right. adding, I hate to bring this up, but all of a sudden there's a new layer of work that needs to be done, even though it's advancing the, the vision and the mission of the organization. And there's some people who just don't like change. And well, no, change. no. Change can be scary. Ladies, we're going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back, I want to ask you how often, in terms of getting nonprofits to sort of you know, get their social enterprise hat on, how often is this? the issue of learning how to sell your expertise alongside <laughs> the services that you provide as a nonprofit organization. We'll be right back here on the Nonprofit Coast with Gene Block and Nikki McCusick. Does your organization have a compelling story to tell? Do you want to connect with your supporters, volunteers, and donors, but don't have the funds to launch expensive outreach campaigns? The YouTube Nonprofit Program can help. If I could give one piece of advice, it would be sign up for the YouTube Nonprofit Program. If I could give another piece of advice, it would just be to capture the story of your organization and use video to tell it because video is the most powerful medium by far. The Nonprofit Program helps you use YouTube as a powerful fundraising tool for your organization. One weekend, we managed to raise enough to feed 500,000 children at school for one day. The video also gained over half a million views and had thousands of comments. And tell stories that haven't been told. Because you guys, the YouTube community, started sharing these videos, there's been housing programs started and feeding programs started. Literally homeless people that were sleeping outside slept inside last night because of you guys. Over 10,000 nonprofits are already using YouTube's premium tools for nonprofits. Your organization can too. Learn more and apply at www.youtube.com nonprofits. Remember, our podcasts and archives are always available 24 hours a day at tedhart.com. Click on radio links. If you're listening live today, the phone lines are open. Call in and ask a question by dialing 347-324-3080. Now, back to the Nonprofit Coach with Ted Hart. And we're back here live with Gene Block and Nikki McQuiston. Uh, ladies, um, the question that I asked before we went on the break um, how often does this involve nonprofits understanding that they've developed expertise, they are seen as experts in their topic area, and there's a value to that? Mm. <laughs> That's a biggie. <laughs> and one of the things I love, Ted, is while we were on break, I was listening, of course, to what was being said, and it was, it was part of um, the commercial, so to speak, because a couple of things came up that we, we need to take a look at because this is part of this. The, the wording and what was being said on this break was talking about storytelling. And part of this is marketing. You might have a great product or service, but you're competing with other products and services, some of whom have a heck of a lot more marketing dollars. And so people need to understand and learn that how do we get this to the folks who may want it? How do we develop an interest? How do we find out who wants our product or service? Well, first, let's backtrack, because are we developing a product or service that nobody wants? Part of all of this is marketing and asking those feasibility questions, a lot of them, to find out if there is a need. And then recognizing, I think, that what selling is really all about is helping people, and it's about solving a problem. It, you know, it, it occurs to me that most nonprofits are more in the business of giving their expertise away for free yes. than mm -hmm. to yes. understanding that there is a value to what they have developed for years. Yes. And one, one of the initial exercises um, when we're working with nonprofits in this process, one of the initial exercises, and it's in the book as well, that nonprofits find so difficult, and they think, oh, well, this will be easy, um, but is to build an inventory of their mm -hmm. assets. And, and it is so much 
fun for me uh, to watch the the blooming, if you will, of a nonprofit group when they begin to realize that just because they're a nonprofit, it's that shift from charity think to mm-hmm. tax exempt business think that if what they're doing has value, um, it. it people will want to take advantage of it. And so the, the fundamental shift in thinking has to come by, by first really understanding what it is that a nonprofit has, what it does, what it knows, and breaking that down so that they can find the tipping point, the leveraging point. And then, as Nikki said, then doing absolutely rigorous market research to say, well, great. Would anybody want this? Would anybody, is there anybody out there who needs this? Is there anybody out there? And then how many bodies are there? Um, and and what, do, what do they, what can they tell us about what they need and what they want? We, we talk a lot about the difference between, because we're beginning to use different language here when we're talking about social enterprise. We, we do lots of exercises around um, uh, market push or market pull. And, and that is the best way, to, I think, to come back and answer your really good question, Ted. And that is what, what we traditionally have done in the nonprofit sector is gone out and look, looked for another grant. Oh, and then, we'll, then, we're, then we're going to write that. We're going to submit our, our grant request, and then we're going to get that, and then we're going we're to get the money, and then we're going to push it out there. Because we sit in our office and we know, mm-hmm, yeah, right, and so we're going to push that, uh, that service, push that program, push that out there. Well, when you begin to think as, in a more business-like manner, you realize that pushing something into the market can often be mm, dangerous, um, less profitable than being pulled into a market. And so here's an exercise, a piece of homework I, I would assign to everyone who's listening today. And that is to turn whoever answers your phone, at wherever. If, if you have one office, great. If you have many, put everybody who answers the phone. Put a notebook, put a workbook, put something, a clipboard by that phone. And, and ask that person, the phone answerer, is no longer the receptionist only. That person now becomes the data collector. And ask that person to write down all the questions they are asked when they answer the phone. This is the first step into market research about what currently your organization's market thinks about you, what, they, what, the, what questions they have, what they think you do, what they want to know about you, what they want to know about services, what they want to know. That is a great way to begin to see what your current market thinks about you, what they want I, from I just you. Want to jump in. I just want to jump in and say what a brilliant strategy that is uh, because I've worked with clients where I've done the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And one yep. of the most revealing uh, uh, descriptors that comes out of that kind of exercise is just how often a nonprofit says, we don't do that. Yes. And and by the way, <laughs> but we if, we say, uh-huh, if we well, say, if we say we don't do that, more, if I can just say more importantly to that point, the people that were calling thought you did, which means yes. they mm-hmm. they saw a connection to you or an expertise that they assumed that you had. So learning what you say no to may in fact drive you to new business. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It, it might point out a need that your organization might be able to satisfy. And, you know, even though we're calling it research, this is really part of a marketing audit. Just, you know, finding out where is the need that your organization might be able to fill and do you have the, the future capacity and the potential to fulfill that. That might be a way of leveraging and turning that into some of the ingredients that might make for a future social enterprise endeavor. Exactly. Ladies, we do have uh, an email question uh, that comes to us from Yvette uh, in Detroit, and she's wondering, should we be concerned about or is this considered unrelated business income? Oh, great question. Good question. question. And the answer, (laughs) you're going to love this, the answer is, well, it depends. 
Here's how the here here's the, the three trigger points for um, determining whether or not your social enterprise could 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 perhaps um, be considered uh, unrelated business income. The first pressure point is: is it a business? A trade or a business? Well, yes, it's a general idea. It is a business-type venture, so yes. Is it regularly carried on? Mm, yeah, check mark too, because it's not a fundraiser. It doesn't. It's not a fundraiser. It's a business proposition. So yes, it's a trade or business. Yes, it's regularly carried on. The third point, however, is the mm, the, the more difficult one to define. If your social enterprise is directly related to your charitable purpose, in other words, if it is mission-related, then it is unlikely until it reaches that large, that's a, that uh, significant level, it is unlikely to be considered unrelated business income. Um, there are there are a couple of also a couple of really great uh, examples. If your if what you are doing is selling if your enterprise is selling reselling donated goods such as in a thrift store, regardless of whether it's that is related to your mission uh, uh, your charitable purpose, it's it, it's non taxable. Or if your venture is run predominantly by volunteers, it would be considered not taxable. However, anything that is run predominantly by volunteers for any length of time, mm, risky mm -hmm. at best. So this is one of the reasons that we say uh, get professional advice as part of your planning team, a CPA or a, with nonprofit experience. Um, but to start your first enterprise idea, to, to get started the first time, Leveraging what you currently do, what you currently have, what you currently know is the safest way to uh, prevent having to pay unrelated business income tax. However, having said that, so what? Pay it. If, if, it, <laughs> if your idea generates tax and you're earning unrestricted revenue, hey, this is good news. Build the tax, the cost of the tax into the cost of doing the business. Compete like a grown-up in in the marketplace and pay tax like everybody else does. It's well, I, nothing I'm so to glad be that you of. said that because I, I think that's another place where enterprises like this just get stopped dead in their tracks yeah. because mm -hmm. either someone on staff or on the board says, okay, I heard this is going to trigger tax. We don't pay uh -huh. tax, therefore we can't do it. And I always point out to people is if you are making a profit and a significant profit enough to have your social enterprise be profitable and to help contribute to the bottom line of your nonprofit organization, just as you said, pay the tax, be glad yeah. that you have enough revenue mm -hmm. to have to pay yeah. the tax, and if the business works because you're paying tax, that's fine. If the business is failing, mm -hmm. and that's good news, if the business is failing and you're not making any money, A, you're not going to owe any tax because you're not <laughs> making any money, yep. B, now you know that you have a failing social business. And it's time to move on to a different type. That's, that's right. Yes, and I, exactly. yeah, I think we forget that you know, one of the critical success factors here, it's about really an alignment with the mission and the assets that you have. You know, in, in the guide, a couple of things that Jean and I emphasize is that part of this whole process is really about decreasing dependence on the kind yeah. of fundraising we're doing, which is more of a um, the grant writing, the, the events, the, the annual campaign, you know, that whole asking process mm -hmm. so that we are building a really sound sustainability and base for financial independence. And that means, great, if you're making money, you pay the tax. Yep. But that's, yep. that's a scary proposition. Well, it is. What are some of the other – and I, I truly think that that's one of, uh, one of the things that just weirds people out enough 
that they feel like I can't do it, I must be doing something wrong because my tax attorney or you know, other counsel now says I have to pay tax. And so we just don't go forward on what would otherwise potentially be a very successful organization. But yes. you know, the process is a, it's a long-term process. And these are factors that are discussed during the process. So there really shouldn't be any surprise about this. It's part of what that whole planning and feasibility and the audits and the analyzing to really take a look at what are the opportunities, where are they going to lead us, and we want these to be sustainable and revenue-generating, unrestricted monies, remember? And so that's part of the process that's talked about in the whole planning of all of this so that there wouldn't be surprises It's also about education. What don't you know? What help do you need? And we sure hope that there are people on the board and amongst the volunteers that have business expertise and are aware of some of these things. You know, one of the, the, the fun examples that I, that I use often when I'm teaching a workshop about this social enterprise thing is to, is to say to a group of people, all right, let's just imagine, let's just start this out at the very basic level. Let's just imagine someone in your office makes the greatest egg salad sandwiches in the world. And so you say, aha, that's it. That's our social venture. We will Go make a bunch of egg salad sandwiches, take them down to the corner and sell them. But intuitively, in something that simple, egg salad sandwiches, sell, make and sell egg salad sandwiches, intuitively a whole bunch of questions would come to mind, first of which would, might be, well, how many should we make? Um, well, what should we charge? Well, who else is making egg salad sandwiches? Ooh, should we also have chicken salad and turkey salad? Ooh, do we want pickles or chips? Ooh, <laughs> fruit or cookies? Ooh, uh, what if we make too many? Here's another question. That staff person who makes those, say you answer all those questions, and now you've got the, the, you know, the exact right amount that you charge for that excellent uh, uh, sandwich, and now the question is, do you have staff people paid on your nonprofit <laughs> mm-hmm. budget? selling yep. sandwiches for the social enterprise, and now how does that work? And by the way, are those sandwiches, uh-huh, are they aligned with your mission? And, and they may be, because maybe you're teaching um, a home, previously homeless people how to, how to run a business. It, but see, that, is, that, now, you've hit, now you've hit on exactly what I think my listeners need to focus on, and that is... If you are an organization that helps the homeless and you have expertise in training them to do something, therein lies an opportunity Mm -hmm. for you to create a market for that something. And Mm -hmm. so you're still a nonprofit helping the homeless, but now you have a social enterprise that can and should make money as they transition into the for-profit sector to make money and be successful contributors to society. That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Everybody and, wins. Mm-hmm. The, the mission wins. The market wins. The, the it, everybody wins. That's that's the but beautiful you are part. In, but another example is if you're an environmental organization that has nothing to do with egg salad sandwiches and there's no way to drive, but you just happen to have someone who makes really good egg salad sandwiches, that is unrelated. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But let us say, for instance, that you, and I'll give an example, of the Catholic Charities. Catholic Charities, part of their work is to help immigrants mainstream when they move to a particular area. They may not know um, how to speak English. They may not have driver's license. They uh, need a job. They have children at home. However, they speak a language that may be important in that community, especially a business community. So Catholic Charities has a, a fine and successful social enterprise called TIN. It's about translation and interpretation. And so the people who are part of this network group help translate, work from home, and that money goes to fund the mission of Catholic Charities, win-win for everyone and related to what the mission of the enterprise is, or pardon me, the uh, the association is. 
There are so many. Uh, mm-hmm. Let us let us um, promote a, a valuable resource to people who a couple of valuable resources, but one of them is an internet. It's the Social Enterprise Alliance. And um, this is an international membership organization. They have a searchable database of examples. They have a they have a forum. They have it is an it's a membership organization, but it is a, a, a as I said an international resource of for for nonprofits who are wishing to consider social enterprise and examples tons thousands of examples of what nonprofits have done. Because just as, I mean, the wheel is as round as it's going to get. And so we may as well be looking for other examples and say, mm-hmm. oh, what could I learn? Maybe we could do that. What could I learn from them? Um, one of my favorite questions is to, is to ask if you, knew, um, if, if you knew now, what if you knew then what you know now, what, what would you do differently? How would you... Um, sustain your organization differently. What are the questions you would ask in research, etc.? And so that Social Enterprise Alliance is a is a great resource. And another great resource is Social Enterprise Ventures, um, which is uh, our website that um, has again a list of nonprofits across the country that have that we've worked with that have have gone from oh yikes to a business plan for a social enterprise. And and one of our requirements, if you will, with those organizations that we work with is you've got to be there to teach others. You've got to be there to share what you know. You've got to be a resource. And so they're there. There are several hundred there that, that are willing to share what they've learned. That's a great resource. Ladies, we've got our final four minutes. It's amazing how fast this time goes when we have such a, a, terrific, uh, a terrific topic and two obvious experts. Uh, now, you end your book, uh, one of the topics that you talk about right at the end of your book um, is the entitlement generation of nonprofits. Can you describe that for us? And then within three and a half minutes, uh, also make sure that my listeners know how to reach both of you. So quickly, Please wrap us up. Go, Nikki, entitlement. Ah, and you know what? I, I think that's rapidly changing, though, just to, just to kind of uh, tease people a little bit, because what we're finding with younger folks, the millennials and others, is that their whole um, persona is about giving to the community and looking for ways in which to be creative. And for years, there has been kind of an entitlement mindset, but I think the more... Nonprofits are learning about what causes are, what marketing is, how important it is to leverage their assets to do even better because there is so much competition. That entitlement mindset is eroding, and I hope a little bit more rapidly than, than not. And I'm well, hoping that's, uh, great that. News. Let's, uh, let's I'm hoping that. This. It's good that that's happening, but I'm sorry to interrupt, but I do. Uh, Nikki McQuiston, how can my listeners reach you? The um, email address is N-I-K-I-M-C-C-U-I-S-T-I-O-N at gmail.com or phone number 214-750-5157. And, Ted, thank you. Jean Block, how can my listeners reach you? <laughs> you can reach me at Jean, J-E-A-N, at J-B-L-O-C-K-I-N-C dot com. Um, that's my website. All the, the contact information is there. And the second valuable resource is socialenterpriseventures.com, where all of our contact information is and other resources are available. We would encourage you all to, to think seriously about your future and your sustainability and to, um, and to make it happen because there's, you know, the, the, the only thing that is stopping you is, your traditional thinking um, that says, "Oh, we could never do that." Let me tell you. Well, you say you that could. you say that in your book that nonprofits must be willing to put traditional turf issues aside mm-hmm. and work yep. for a greater purpose. That's a yep. great way to end the show. My guests today have been Jean Block and Nikki McQuiston. Ladies, I can't thank you enough for writing this terrific book, uh, "The Nonprofit Guide to Social Enterprise." Show me the unrestricted money. 
I might call it the book that gives you permission to succeed. Uh, thank you, everyone. Don't forget that uh, we are now on social, summer hiatus. Uh, we will be back here live on the Nonprofit Coach on Tuesday, September 16th. Enjoy all those podcasts at tedhart.com. Take care, ladies. Thank Thanks, you. Ted. Pleasure. You've been listening to the Nonprofit Coach Radio Show with Ted Hart. Tell all your friends to check out our production schedule and download our iPod and iPad-friendly podcast at tedhart.com. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Coach. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.